Worshipful brethren, brethren all, welcome to Freemasonry in seven minutes or less. In this episode, we will be discussing the pillars of Freemasonry. Now, as most of you know, both Masons and non-Masons, the pillars most commonly associated with Freemasonry are the pillars at the entrance of King Solomon's Temple. But as with nearly everything in Freemasonry, there are multiple candidates for which the pillars could be. One possible answer is the Pillars of Enoch, a legend which comes to us by way of Josephus. Enoch, the man who walked with God and was not, for God took him, was considered in the Hebrew context to be the first great teacher and scientist. According to Josephus, Seth, third son of Adam, fashioned two pillars, one of brick and the other of stone. Both these pillars were inscribed to preserve these discoveries, these being the wisdom which are concerned with the heavenly bodies and their order. For Adam had predicted that the world was to be destroyed one time by the force of fire and at another time by the violence and quantity of water. I think that this is a good fit for the Enlightenment era, especially considering that Enoch is Idris in the Islamic tradition, who is equated with Hermes Trismegistus. So, Brother Anshaw, do you see any other candidates for the pillars of Freemasonry? Could they be the pillars of Kabbalah? I remember seeing in your book, Spiritual Alchemy, an image taken from Francis Bacon's book, The New Atlantis. Could you enlighten us on the use of the two pillars with respect to Freemasonry? Yes, certainly. Um, firstly, I'm not sure if it was actually the Book of Enoch. I think um, uh, the reference in Freemasonry, the thing about the Book of Enoch, I don't think it was discovered until the 1800s. Um, some, uh, I think some Scottish, I forget the story, some Scottish uh either historian or archaeologist uh went into either Sinai or uh, Ethiopia and found I, this story. I think it was um I think it was James Bruce and if memory serves me correctly he was a mason he was um, a okay. member of Kilwinnock Lodge in Scotland. Yeah right right that's right and but he didn't find it until 18 something didn't he? I have to look but yeah. I remember he was on he was on a mission to try and find the source of the Nile. Yes, a, right. That was so, this kind of a story, shall we say. And so Livingstone and all those were uh, Victorians. So I feel that probably that the pillars of Freemasonry probably refer to something much older. And I, I think they uh, refer to um, a uh, book by Sir Francis Bacon called the Novum Organum, uh, which is what he called the uh, new method of science. And on the cover of this book, I think it's actually the frontispiece. They often had pictures inside the beginning of the book. Uh, it shows two galleons sailing between two large pillars. These pillars are, are said to represent the pillars of Hercules that stood either side of Straits of Gibraltar. So there was one of these pillars uh, in Spain and the one was in North Africa. And they represented the gateway to the new worlds and therefore uh, going west towards the new Americas that had just been discovered. Um, so I think my feeling is the pillars, there's two, two meanings for the pillars. First of all, um, they represent a new start and a new beginning. And there's many references or suggestions that... Uh, the Freemasons had Sir Francis Bacon in mind when they were 
rewriting the two degrees and then adding a third degree. Um, uh, it's a little bit complicated story, but uh, the Royal Society saw uh, Sir Francis Bacon as, as one of their leading lights. Of course, he had died 50 years before the society was uh, established in 1660. And um, Two of the members, early members of Freemasonry were in the, in the Royal Society, and John de Sagulier was, in fact, the uh, secretary to the president, Sir Isaac Newton. So there's always this long connection between the Royal Society and Freemasonry. The Royal Society itself didn't have a centre to start with, so often lectures were given in Freemasons' meetings. Uh, so... Also, Freemasons didn't have their own uh, dedicated lodges at that time. They were, all, they were giving meetings uh, wherever they could find places, normally above a spare room above a tavern or a pub. And so the Royal Society joined them in these meetings. So there's a relationship between the Royal Society, Sir Francis Bacon, New Organum, and Freemasonry. Uh, the second idea is to do with uh, Egypt. And if you look at um, uh, the Egyptian temples, they also have these two large square pillars or columns outside of their temples at the entrance. And these are also empty. Uh, they were used for storing valuable things. So um, either of these stories could fit. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I kind of like the new organum because the idea of passing through pillars to go on to an adventure, something new, and just basically, you know, the first degree being met at the door, passing through the pillars. I think it's a, it's a really nice metaphor. I think so. And also the, the pillars of Hercules, in my mind, it reminds me of Plato when he talks about things beyond the Mediterranean. It's Mediterranean being a harbour and, and long yes. journeys, both metaphorical and literal. But yes, that's one of the great things about Masonic symbology is there's never just one thing which it relates to. And that's one of the, the beautiful things about it is the more you look into it, the more the more polysemia you see, the, the more things it relates to. But yes, it's um, it's, it's rare in masonry. But it could also be frustrating because there's no one right answer to anything. And uh, so... People often bump heads saying, oh, I think this is right. No, you're wrong. This is right. <laughs> so, well, whatever. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's definitely true. You know, whenever you think you've got the answer completely correct, now something comes along and it changes your perspective. Well, one of the, the um, things that kind of disappointing to me is that uh, in the early constitutions of 1723, 1738, there was no actual definition of what the landmarks of the fraternity were. They talk about mm. uh, maintaining the land, uh, maintain, maintaining the landmarks and protecting the landmarks. It doesn't say the landmarks are A, B, C. And so in yes. later dates, this led to a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, soul searching <laughs> and inquiry and, uh, also, it has led to a lot of difficulty in some lodges because they say, oh, well, this isn't a landmark in our Grand Lodge. <laughs> no. So uh, even the Grand Lodge of England doesn't say exactly what the landmarks are on its website, in its um, 
constitutions or on the website. So uh, anyway. <laughs> well, thank thank you for that, Brother Anshul. And that brings this episode to a close. If you have any questions, please email us on the link below. We're now part on the square and we'll meet soon. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.